Hello, friends. Today's chapter is one of the shortest of the 30-ish chapters that I've currently got in solid draft form, so I thought I'd take a little extra time to say a few thank yous. It's the sort of thing that people often put at the end of a book, but today's shout-outs were specifically helpful in getting this podcast version of events off the ground, so now seems like a great time to acknowledge them. If you're just here for the next chapter of The Curve of Time, feel free to skip ahead. Anyway, like so many things in life, this podcast was accumulation of a sequence of happy accidents. Firstly, I owe a big thanks to my wife and kids for distracting me over the summer. That might seem tongue-in-cheek, but not only was the summer, as always, a fun time, the having of the fun gave me space from the curve of time that made it clear to me, when I dove back in, that the opening chapters were really in great shape. Moreover, when I realised this, Pei, my wife, encouraged the spark of the idea that initially suggested releasing this as a chapter a week. So, among many other things to be thankful for, I'm thankful to my family for that. To pressure test the idea, which at that point was simply to email out a newsletter, I had coffee with my buddy Jeff. And Jeff was kind enough to call out the elephant in the room. Rufus, he said, that's a fantastic idea. Have you thought about doing it as a podcast too? People don't really read anymore. See how kind Jeff was in the way he redirected me? I encourage anybody who's listening to this to consider this approach when delivering bad news. Of course, it took but a moment's reflection of my own habits to realise he was right. I probably read 30 books in the first 30 years of my life, though I did watch a lot of films and TV series. Whereas, by contrast, I probably listened that many books in the first six months of 2023. But it's easy to suggest someone build something splendid. The problem is the act of doing so sometimes risks distraction. And I admit I'm particularly sensitive to this as I once built a craft toy company that sidetracked me from a web series that should still one day see the light of day. But that's another story. For now, know that I turned to my buddy Crawford, who helped run a very successful podcast to check if putting a podcast together was as daunting as it looked. Not at all, he assured me. You'll figure it out in a weekend. Great, I thought. And I asked Crawford if he'd give me an hour to orient me on the practicalities. His response? Oh, I have no idea about the nuts and bolts myself. Now, I don't want to diminish Crawford's help. It was he that gave me the confidence to ask Juan, one of the Wizards of Logic Pro, if he couldn't help familiarise me. The difference here? Juan is not only extremely generous with his time and encouragement, he also has technical know-how, right down to obscure details like which side of the microphone to speak into. Of course, it being feasible to produce audio was one thing. I still needed to actually get it out into the world, which meant a website. Yes, I too was surprised to learn that a website is a prerequisite to disseminate a podcast. Happily, Climbing buddies are forever, and Ty is no exception. It was with Ty's encouragement and guidance that this website came together, much faster than I could have dreamed. Finally, websites need images, as do podcast feeds, it turns out. And though my good friend Kylie had many years ago taught me the basics of Photoshop, putting images together from scratch felt like an insurmountable workload until my buddy Erod welcomed me to the 21st century and the wonders of AI-generated images. So, here we are, me writing and you listening. 
Writing has a reputation for being a solitary activity. You grab your pen and paper or your laptop. You find a quiet spot, or maybe you like the white noise of a cafe, and you start clackety-clacking away. There's a lot of truth to that cliché, and truth also that the process of problem-solving involved in nutting through character and plot predicaments is often solitary. But like most one-dimensional stories in life, these stereotypes obscure a deeper truth. Writing is a back-and-forth, and none more so than at this early stage when a writer is soliciting input. So, please don't forget, I'd love to hear from each and every one of you about your thoughts on the curve of time as the story unfolds. And with that, a final thanks to everyone mentioned above, but also a thank you to you. Without readers, writing runs a serious risk of missing meaning. Until next week, be kind to someone and keep an eye out for the ripples of joy you've seeded. And now, without further ado, here's Chapter 3. Chapter 3, A Change of Heart. Saskia glanced over her shoulder as she pedalled down the street. One last glimpse of Mitza as the flirty redhead slid into her car. Mitza had shooed Saskia on her way, assuring her that even her beat-up bold Subaru could outrun Saskia's bike. No matter how fit you are. But, in the glance back over her shoulder, Saskia noticed Mitza pulling her notepad back out of her bag and jotting down... What was she jotting down, Saskia wondered. Notes about the crazy girl with the wavy dark hair and green eyes, who claimed she could slip in time? Or was she merely transcribing the mundane details that she'd let wash over her as Saskia related her improbable tale? The way Saskia recalled watching the TV the second time she saw the lottery numbers come up. She had turned the television on a minute or so before the draw and watched idly as the reporter updated a story about an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. She'd made a hot chocolate and added a dash of Cointreau in premature celebration. Taken by Mitza, Saskia felt sure there had been a better first impression to be made. For one thing, with foresight, she could have sidestepped the question of using her newfound talents on more noble causes. The thing was, she could slip in time now. If she didn't like the way she'd played it, maybe if she got a better start to the whole thing, this might have the potential as a real relationship. They say first impressions are lasting ones. If she was okay cheating the lottery, then what was the problem taking a mulligan in love? It made total sense. It would be easy to cut Mitzer off before she made it to Saskia's front door. Saskia slowed her bike, hopped off, and chained it to a tree. All right, that's chapter three. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you all next week. In the meantime, if you think of somebody else who might enjoy this journey, don't be afraid to send it along to them. Until next week, cheerio.